Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. Welcome to our catechism class today again, and we've been looking at the law in our last catechism class. Today we move on. We're going to start looking at the actual Ten Commandments. And so our catechism lesson for today will be found in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 34, question 94 to question 95. And the topic that we'll be exploring together will be idolatry. Now, in order to prepare for this lesson, please turn to Exodus chapter 20 in your Bible. Read the Ten Commandments as they are there and pay special attention to Exodus 20 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. So we're going to do that. I'm going to leave you for a moment or two to look at the verse, to get out your Heidelberg Catechism or to download from some of the available sites online the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, Lord's Day 34, uh, question 94 to 95. And then we'll be back very shortly. So we're asking the question, what does the Lord require in the first commandment? And the catechist says that for the sake of my very salvation, I avoid and flee all idolatry, witchcraft, superstition, and prayer to saints or to other creatures. Further, that I rightly come to know the only true God, trust in him alone, 
Submit to him with all humility and patience. Expect all good from him only. And love, fear, and honour him with all my heart. In short, that I forsake all creatures rather than do the least thing against his will. So right away you can see the importance of this first commandment. And you can see that the catechist in dealing with it is very adamant in what he says. This is no trivial matter. This is life and death. This is for the sake of my very salvation. What we're dealing with in this lesson is a priority in our lives. To neglect the first commandment is to be eternally damned in the lake of fire forever. Very important. So what is the first commandment in the Decalogue? It is, you shall have no other gods before me. In Egypt, the land which the Hebrew slaves had so recently left at this stage in Exodus, uh, there were many false gods. Remember that in Egypt, even cats were worshipped as gods. Now, that sort of thing won't do for the Lord God Almighty. He doesn't want us to consider him to be simply a part of some pantheon of deities. He is the one and only true God. And because of that, he demands our complete loyalty, our allegiance, our devotion, the complete loyalty of all those with whom he has entered into a covenant relationship. In 1 Corinthians, in that passage that we have looked at so often over the past few weeks, Paul writes, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Fornicators or idolaters. So to give allegiance to any other God other than the Lord is to commit idolatry. And it is from this sin, idolatry, that we are to flee. Matthew Henry, the commentator, wrote this prohibition. Includes a precept which is the foundation of the whole law. That we take the Lord our God. We acknowledge that he is God. Accept him as ours. Adore him with admiration and humble reverence, and set all our affections entirely upon him. So the Catechist is going to help us to understand the importance of this absolutely vital piece of law. You shall have no other gods before me. We're to flee from any other gods. Uh, the Catechist talks about fleeing from all idolatry, witchcraft, superstition, and prayer to saints or to other creatures. Witchcraft and superstition, of course, were warned about in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 9. The people of God are warned that when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, 
the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Well, we can understand that all of those things would be an abomination to the Lord, witchcraft, superstition. But it's interesting here that the Catechist also includes prayer to saints or to other creatures. And we think here, of course, about the practices of the Roman Catholic Church. We think of its holy relics, its adoration of the Blessed Virgin Mary, those soul-damning additions which distract people from Christ alone and his saving work on the cross alone for sinners. Uh, we must not pray to saints. We must not pray to the Virgin Mary. We must not pray to statues. All of those things are idolatrous. And yet the pagan culture of the land that we live in is no better than that. For superstition is rife among the ungodly. When people stop believing in the one true God, they don't stop believing altogether. What they do is they begin to believe in some false God instead. So recently I was at a funeral service where a poem had been printed inside the order of service. The poem was a prayer to the angels. These are so-called Protestant people. And yet even in heaven we can worship no one but the Lord. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, John says, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we're to flee from any form of idolatry, wherever we would find that, whether it's in obvious idolatry like witchcraft and superstition whether it's in religious idolatry we must flee from all of that and we must do so for the very sake of our souls our never dying souls but then in the catechism here we see not only must we flee away from witchcraft and superstition and religious idolatry but we must flee to god through christ now here's what the Catechist teaches. That I rightly come to know the only true God. It's not enough to know about God. The Hebrews at Mount Sinai had this personal relationship with God through Moses. They had been delivered from slavery by him. They were being led daily across the wilderness by him. We come to know the only true God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17 and verse 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I rightly come to know the only true God. And we learn to trust him alone. Second part of the Catechist teaching here. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, says Jeremiah whose heart departs from the Lord. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. We come to know, to rightly know the only true God, to trust in him alone, to expect all good from him alone. It's an idolatry to claim to be a self-made man, to attribute any of the good things that we have in this life to ourselves, to our own abilities, 
or worse still, to say that we got such a thing from good luck. And that's a terrible thing. One of the things I was shocked with in Belfast was the amount of Christians who talked about luck. It was good luck that we that we got this. It was just good luck that such a thing happened at a certain time. Don't they know that every good gift that we have in this life is given to us purposefully by our Heavenly Father? And we should expect him to love us so much that he daily provides for us. To attribute anything in this life to luck or to circumstances or to our own efforts is indeed idolatry. And to love and fear and honour the Lord with all my heart. That's hard. Our hearts are so divided, so sinful. And that brings us right back to what we learned in our last lesson. The very first purpose of this law, the law of the Lord, is to strike our conscience and to make us realise that we are dreadful sinners who cannot live for God in our natural state, to drive us to Christ, to drive us back to him again and again when we come to realise that we are incapable of loving God with all our hearts, we can turn to the Lord, the one who only rendered to God, the only one who rendered to God perfect obedience at the cross for us. And the Catechist teaches us how we must live to seek and to do the will of God. In fact, I will put everything and everything, everyone else away in order to seek God's will. In short, says the Catechist, in short that I forsake all creatures rather than do the least thing against his will. I don't think that God doesn't know about our idolatrous hearts. He does. The commandment is that you shall have no other gods before me. Everything we do is done before God. Everything is done in his sight. He sees all our deeds. He hears all our words. He reads all our thoughts. He knows our desires. He knows our sinful urges. He knows the idolatry that can so easily slip into our hearts. Let us flee from all wickedness and trust in Christ. So before we finish, let's ask our next question. And the Catechist asks, what is idolatry? And his answer is that idolatry is having or inventing something in which to put our trust instead of or in addition to the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. So just as the Catechist stressed the importance of this first commandment, he stresses also the breadth of the great danger that we face by the temptation to idolatry, that danger that lies within our own wayward hearts. We cannot rest, we must be alert. We can't congratulate ourselves that as Protestants we don't do idolatry. After all, we don't erect statues of saints or we don't worship the Virgin Mary. We don't have idols erected in our place of worship. No, but we have them in other places. And when we don't have them, the Catechist rightly identifies the danger that we might invent them. And so there's this danger that we might water down our devotion to the Lord. The God who has revealed himself in his word is one God. 
There is no others beside him. We must serve and worship him and him alone. Now every day in life that will bring us into conflict with the world, into conflict with its values. It will force us to make difficult choices, the obvious moral choices, choices about sexuality and gender and abortion and identity politics. These are all the big issues of the day. And in all of those issues, God demands our complete obedience, our loyal, wholehearted devotion, our obedience to his word. But even in our everyday lives, there can be a danger that we will invent ourselves an idol. Our money, our business, our career. Back in the 1990s, I had become friendly with a Christian man who ran a very successful business, a very successful post office. He'd opened a stationery shop adjacent to the post office. He was doing very well. And he was also an elder in his local church. He was a man of good character, a man of high principles, a man who wanted to live for the Lord and be a good witness, a good testimony. Now around that time, the post office decided to install lottery machines in all its outlets. And he was informed that his his business was to benefit from this new move, this inclusion of the National Lottery. As a Christian, could he put a gambling machine into his shop? Well, he decided that he could not. And he was faced with a choice, either to comply with the directive from head office, put his business and his financial interests first, make them his god, invent an idol, or he could refuse and he could lose his post office, lose the franchise, and with that his business and his livelihood. Now there's a dilemma. What would you do? That man lost his business, he lost his income, but he remained faithful to God and to his word. A Christian poet wrote this prayer. The dearest idol I'll have known Whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. So the Catechist teaches us about idolatry. Now it's up to us to put that into practice in our lives, to examine our own lives, to ask, am I making an idol of anything? And if I am, Lord, help me to tear that idol from thy throne and worship only thee. Well, the notes for this uh, catechism class are on the website uh, where you find the link to the podcast. You can read through them there. If you have any questions, you can email me, McAvoy at aol.com. Always glad to hear from uh, listeners to the podcast. If you want to join the Heidelberg Catechism Discussion Group on Facebook, you can do that. Look for it, search for it and join there. And we'd be glad to have you. So until next time, thanks again for listening. God bless. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, Please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. 
Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.